0: Ideas matter, ideas matter. This is Dialogue.
1: Hello and welcome to Dialogue. The U.S. has redesignated the Houthi Militant Group as a terrorist organization after months of their attacks on ships in the Red Sea. Last week, the U.S. and the U.K. in response launched the airstrikes on Houthi military inst- installations, expecting the move to de-escalate the situation. But Houthis have said they won't stop until the attacks on Palestinians in Gaza have ceased. What more do we know about the Houthi Group? Could the Western retaliation only serve to escalate? to the conflict and what role can the UN and other regional actors play in restoring peace in the region? Joining me today are Professor Glenn Diesen from the University of Southeastern Norway, Ford Izadi, Associate Professor of American Studies at the University of Tehran, Wang Jian, Associate Professor at Northwest University of China, and Professor Robert Kelly from the Department of Political Science at Pusan National University. Welcome to Dialogue. Well, Glenn, I will start with you. So, the military operation by the U.S. and the U.K., we can see that, uh, you know, there was effort, I would say, from the U.S. side to invite more U.S. allies to join the military operation against Houthis, but ultimately, you know, it's the U.S. and the U.K. leading the attacks. Why is there hesitation, you know, from their uh, allies, for example, from European countries?
2: Well, I I think it's a variety of concerns. For one, this is seen as an extension of the conflict in Gaza. And as it becomes more and more likely that what's happening in Gaza now is in fact a genocide, it's concerned that this could uh, make them accomplices in the genocide. But of course, the the Israelis are trying to pull in the Americans into this uh, war as well. And the Americans would like to pull in the Europeans, so it doesn't stand all alone. But uh, yeah, that, that being said, I think there's also a huge concern that this conflict can really go out of hand now, because there's uh, so many different scenarios in which uh, this becomes a much wider regional conflict. And uh, simply put, in Europe, there's very little appetite for a major war, as we're already fighting a proxy war in Ukraine. So it's, uh, it's many would like to avoid this.
1: But uh, in any sense, you know, the move all the military attack, the bombing from the US and UK has been accused of uh, the lack of uh, legitimacy or being counterproductive. Uh, uh, so, Wang Jin, is that the case?
3: sure of course because maybe from the perspective of the united states or the uk actually they are doing the things to deter to show their capabilities to deter the houthi attacks and to prevent the further attacks from houthi to the passing versus with the close connections with israel now with uh, united states and uk but then we have to know that uh, i think the United States, they have different measures that could be taken to do the things to protect the vessels, rather than just attack the targets inside Yemen, especially the Yemen Houthi-controlled areas, because. We know that some European countries, they are also planning to organize the kind of the international fleet. But I think their uh, measures to protect the passing vessels is on the one hand, to, to show the very defensive measures, right? Rather than a very, very provocative and uh, attractive measure. And on the other thing, I think they hope to, try to establish the very, very direct or indirect communication channel with Houthi government or the Houthi regime, uh, given the fact that now uh, the, only the military talking or the military ways can just uh, provoke and escalate the tension. Mm-hmm. But then if the political communication channel started with more and more direct and indirect talks and negotiation, uh, just to get inside, I think the situation in this region uh, might be uh, de-escalated from the, from the ongoing attention an ongoing war to a more pacified <clears throat> direction. So I think that it's very highly needed now.
1: Well, Robert, uh, you know, if you look at the U.S. response you know, by bombing, uh, for example, the military sites uh, inside uh, Yemen, of course, controlled by Houthi, the regions, the areas. Do you think this is the right response to the Houthi attacks on the commercial ships in the Red Sea? Do people really think that, uh, you know, attacks like this will help deter the Houthis from continuing such, uh, let's say, harassment?
4: Yeah, I don't think that the attacks will really deter the Houthi strikes. I think a lot of it is motivated, as your previous guest mentioned, I think a lot of it is motivated by the wider conflict that's sort of growing in the Middle East and the ideological splits, and the Houthis are reflecting that. I would be surprised if the Houthis didn't continue to strike, and I would be surprised, quite honestly, if it didn't continue to escalate. I would imagine the Americans will strike harder. President Biden said that when he was asked yesterday, I think, right, that the the strikes will continue. And My my own sense is that these are actually, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's sort of part of the wider conflict between Israel and uh, Hamas, but I think also there's a, a basic sort of like anti-piracy sort of public goods provision element to this too, which is to say that Right. It's not really clear that the Houthis are actually doing much on behalf of the Palestinians by striking international shipping. A lot of that actually impacts Asian and European consumers and producers. So I, you, mean, you can make the argument the United States is actually providing a public service here insofar as it's permitting the continuation of this trade, which all parties in Eurasia actually have. An interest in right whether or not i'll actually stop the houthis i don't know my guess is no that it won't but it's not clear to me that this is actually going to do much of the palestinians i think it's motivated by them but by, uh, by by sympathy for them but it's not clear to me that this is actually directly impacting or really doing very much for the palestinian cause because really what it's really doing is driving up costs for Consumers in East Asia and Europe, and i the linkage is thin. I think Well, the linkage is
1: thin, uh, Professor Izadi, you know how organized uh, were the Houthis? You know their goal or their talked about goal is to pressure Israel, to pressure the United States from say opposing uh, the bombing of uh, Gaza. You know ir- Palestinians in Gaza region. How much do we know about uh, their capability and their targets, or so, you know what's the final goal?
0: As your first guest said, uh, we have a genocide in Gaza. We have the United States and UK and a number of European countries that are providing the arms for this genocide. And under international law, states have a responsibility to protect uh, civilians when we face genocide or war crimes. It's uh, very obvious what the Israelis are doing in Gaza is genocide. If anybody has any doubts, they can go to 88 pages of documentation by South Africa that was presented to the National Court of Justice uh, just a few days ago. And uh, in 2005, United uh, Nations uh, World Assembly adopted this resolution, responsibility to protect. So when states see genocide going on, they have a responsibility to act. They are not supposed to aid the, the side that's engaging in genocide. That's what the United States and UK are doing. They are not supposed to be watching a genocide going on. That's not what states are supposed to do. They're supposed to use their capacities, capabilities to stop the genocide. And this is what the Yemenis are doing. They're not targeting international shipping. They're targeting Israeli ships. They're targeting ships that are going to Israel. They are trying to damage Israel economically, and they have been quite successful. You know, these are Western media reports that 80% of the shipping is going as before. Only 20% of the shipping is affected. What the U.S. and U.K. are doing is that they say that if Israeli ships cannot pass through Bab al-Mandab, then they are going to create a war against international Law, we don't have any UN Security Council resolution asking anybody to attack Yemen, and that's what they are doing. Mm-hmm. So what the Yemenis are doing is following international law, and US and UK, as usual, are acting in criminal ways, and this is the history okay. of these. Professor
1: Izadi, you know, like how much can these attacks uh, on the uh, Israeli-Israel uh, related uh, shaping? And how can these attacks deter U.S. and Western support of Israel or to pressure Israel to stop the bombing in Gaza?
0: You know, we have had uh, Israelis advertising uh, to Zionists all over the world to come to Palestine because they're going to get free land, they're going to get free money, they're going to get housing, they're going to get uh, uh, all types of goodies. And the idea is to make sure that uh, this uh, promise is not fulfilled this is other people's land it's called palestine it belongs to the palestinians the occupation needs to end and when you put economic pressure on israelis they realize that the promises that they were given to come and take other people's land without any difficulty is n- not going to happen mm-hmm. and uh, this is exactly what yemenis are doing and this should be responsibility of other countries, you know, Chinese ships, uh, Russian ships, other countries are going through the Red Sea without any problem. They are waved in with any uh, difficulties. Uh, only Israelis are targeted. And uh, since the attack of US and UK, American and uh, British ships also... Right.
1: Let's, let's take a look at the other side of the story here. Uh, of course, you know, similarly, Robert, you, you can ask the question, you know, whether these attacks by the US and the UK, will they be enough to weaken Houthis or to deter Houthis from launching further uh, attacks against the uh, international shipping
4: or, uh, say, uh, ships or vessels? To or from Israel? Will it succeed? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. It's not really clear. My sense is it will probably take more force for the Americans to actually, the Americans and the British and the coalition to actually get the Houthis to back off, right? I mean, Yemen is pretty big, right? There's a lot of, sort of space for the, uh, the targets, the missiles, the launchers to be moved around. It's not clear that the United States has great intelligence on where exactly to strike. Right? Yemen's had sort of civil conflict for a long time. So it should be pretty clear. That Yemen, that the Houthis can survive. You may recall, for example, back in Afghanistan in 2001, right? The bombing is not what drove out the Taliban. Eventually, the United States had to support a local ground force, the Northern Alliance, and then send in U.S. forces as well. So it's not really clear that airstrikes are actually going to, you know, really do that much change in many politics. It might slow down the strikes a little bit if the United States gets particularly powerful intelligence, particularly accurate intelligence, but you know, that's probably hard to come by in a really fragmented environment like Yemen. So again, I think your your guests and I all share sort of this concern, right, that this is probably going to escalate, right? I would imagine I would imagine actually in time the way this will probably end up finishing is that international shipping will find that even if the Americans and the British are trying to keep the sea lane open, it will simply be too risky And they'll start going the longer route, and eventually the the problem will sort of resolve itself insofar as the shipping will simply move away from the target zone because, I mean, the Red Sea is pretty narrow, right? And so it's just easier eventually, right, to send your ships around the Cape rather than going through a war zone, right, especially if this sort of expands, as I think a lot of people expect it to do. So I would imagine that the problem will eventually be resolved simply by market forces which is to say that companies won't want to send their goods through the red for uh, the red sea any further uh,
1: glenn uh, if you look at uh, the military capability you know uh, the us uk of course uh, way more powerful than the Houthis. but the situation is like they don't need to be uh, having to, to have to be having a, a balanced power you know against the us uk you know as long as uh are rock uh, you know continued attacks Uh, either against the Israeli-related shipping or, or, you know, international shipping, that's enough to create, uh, say, the sense of insecurity
2: in the Red Sea? Yeah, I think so, because they don't rely on the traditional military infrastructure. Keep in mind that Yemen has already been under attack by the United States through its Saudi proxy for many years. But again, I think uh, success depends how you measure it. What they want to do is put uh, economic pressure on the United States and Israel, <clears throat> as well as others who support this. Now, uh, I would say that what Yemen what is doing is uh, is uh, is already having an effect even if their missiles and drones are shut down, because what you see is, is they use fairly cheap drones and missiles, and Americans and British have to have very expensive interceptive missiles to shoot them down. Furthermore, you even see that uh, a huge part of the traffic has been disrupted, which will have, of course, consequences as well. So this has also been effective. Uh, doesn't mean they have to sink every ship. That doesn't really, I don't think success have to be measured along those I- indicators. And I think you may also see, maybe in the future, being able to hit one of the warships as well. So uh, I think uh, you know you, you can see the disruption to trade and economic pressure on Israel. But uh, also it can be seen success in the form of mobilizing uh, the public in the region. Keep in mind that many of the governments in the region While they do not like the genocide that the Israelis are carrying out, uh, they're very careful and don't want to get too involved in this. But if you look at the public, they're quite furious. And uh, at the moment, no, no one is seen to stand up for the Palestinians, even though you know, a genocide is being um, carried out in their own neighborhood. But what you see now is uh, the poorest country in the region, Yemen, where they're actually standing up against the United States and Israel. You know, it can help to mobilize some of the public in the region as well, which puts greater pressure on the political leadership. So I wouldn't dismiss uh, the Houthis in Yemen just because they obviously don't have the same capabilities as the United States. But again, this in guerrilla warfare, you have uh, some uh, advantages as well to the weaker part.
1: Yeah, of course. The danger is um, the uh, potential escalation or even dragging into the crisis more actors, uh, including regional actors. Uh, Wang Jian, you know, the the concern is, uh, you know, of course, there's a belief or there's uh, you know basically reports saying that. Uh, Iran is behind the Houthis, uh, you know, providing training, providing weapons. So, but also at the same time, we, we do hear the Iranian officials saying that uh, you know, they want uh, peace and security of the international shipping in the Red Sea. So what's the Iranian response to the airstrikes by the U.S. and U.K., and similarly to the attacks by Houthi in the Red Sea?
3: I think Iran played a very rational and constructive role during the past days in the conflict between Yemen, Houthi and United States and UK fleet. Because a lot of talkings, as you mentioned, or the some reports maintain that Iran keeps very close ties, or maybe describes the Houthis as Iran's satellite actor, in the Red Sea, and on the other hand, some may say, "Okay, Iran has no direct connections with Houthi, and they are just the two separate actors." I think real, uh, the real, the uh, real, real situation is much more complicating because, on the one hand, we uh, we know that Iran, of course, they provided some kind of assistance. Uh, to the Yemen Husi, for example. They might share some intelligence cooperation and they might uh, share some kind of the military training cooperation. Yes, that might be true. But on the other hand, we have to know that the two uh, actors, I mean, on the one hand, Yemen Husi, on the other hand, they are actually very separated from each other, both politically and also the geographically. Even that when we are talking about the similar, they share the very similar Shia, I mean, Islamic branch. But actually inside the Shia branch, they are, they are two, different, two different types and two different branches, inside, although they all belong to the whole big Shia family. Uh, but actually they are two uh, their, their religious belief system are very, very different. So we cannot say that Iran is Hussi and Husse is Iran. And during the past days, as I mentioned, that uh, the wars between uh, Yemen Hussi and United States and the U.T. fleet in the Red Sea, Iran, on the one hand, the called for the very rational uh, actions of both sides, and also on the other hand, we didn't witness the, the, the growing assistance and the growing intervention of Iran into the Red Sea crisis. I mean, if Iran really did, really want to do something, really want to attack and launch the new waves of attacks against the United States targets and UK targets in the region, including in the Red Sea, they could easily do it. But then we, we didn't see that Iran really launched a, such kind of a wave of attack and also Iran still keeps the voice for peace, keeps the voice playing for more rational move in the future. So I think Iran will continue to do this way to play the very constructive role in the region to ho- with the hope to bring the back the opportunities of peace, to the region, including QC and United States and UK in this region. Well,
1: uh, speak of that uh, one game. Of course, the people will ask, uh, what about the Iranian strikes, airstrikes uh, at targets uh, inside Iraq, inside Syria, inside Pakistan? For example, of course, there is a strong response from Pakistani inside. What do you make of that?
3: I think, yes, if we look at the whole region, I mean, whole region, Iran is also in the Middle East and the targets in Syria, the targets in Iraq, as you mentioned, and also the targets in uh, in Pakistan, they could be considered as a greater Syria, a greater uh, middle East area. So of course this looks like that the fire is burning everywhere in the whole uh, in the whole area. But then we have to know that Iran's attacks during the past days to the targets into Syria in uh, into, the, into the Iraqi Kurdish automatic region and also in the uh, in the Pakistan and also the Pakistan retaliation actions uh, against uh, the uh, Iranian targets inside the Iran territory, they are the consequential results, the, the, the earlier uh, terrorist attack in Kerman inside Iran. So that is Iran's retaliation efforts. So they targets the efforts, uh, targets uh, this kind of uh, so-called uh, terrorist group, Islamic State. There are branches in Syria. There, there are some kind of the channels and some uh, targets in the in Iraq and also some targets in Pakistan. This is the retaliation efforts mm-hmm. from Iran to, to, to show their strength, to show their anger, to pacify their own anger and dissatisfaction of their people inside their home. So I don't think it has very direct connection with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and also has very direct connection with the Red Sea crisis. So I think this is just another kind of the very, very uh, consequential results of the, what is happening earlier in the inside Iran, rather than Iran's efforts to further provoke the rigid tension and the crisis.
1: Professor Izadi, uh, of course, the Biden administration has re-designated uh, the Houthi group as an SDGT, so-called SDGT, especially um, designated global, uh, global terrorists. Uh, which is just one level, of course, less than being designated as, uh, you know, basically the terrorist group. So what, what, you know, tell us, you know, what kind of impact that will have on the Houthis? Same time, you know, people have concern whether that will affect this uh, humanitarian assistance to Yemen Indian people in the region.
0: You know, uh, Yemen is not a rich country. There are a lot of people that uh, are suffering in Yemen. They uh, experienced eight years of war uh, from the Saudi side, uh, bombing Yemen. Uh, But Yemenis uh, have this thing called uh, culture of resistance, culture of resistance. That means that uh, they need to act in a way to protect their country, and they have been doing that. And as your previous guest uh, said, they are also helping the Palestinians who are also under pressure and are facing genocide. Uh, And uh, this uh, culture of resistance is something that Palestinians have, Yemenis have, Iranians have, Lebanese have. The United States, uh, UK, Israel uh, are engaging in war crimes as we speak in this part of the world. And uh, people of this region have understood that the only way to uh, protect themselves is to resist these type of pressures. And uh, as you know, they are getting a stronger under pressure. If you compare uh, Yemeni's capabilities today to eight years ago, they are actually stronger today than eight years ago, because cultural resistance works. And what the United States is doing is pressuring Yemeni civilians because uh, they are not following U.S. dictates. And they are doing the same thing with Iranian civilians and Lebanese civilians and others. Civilian in this part of the world. The message that the United States has is that either you follow our orders or mm-hmm. we'll call you a terrorist. True terrorists are Netanyahu and his cabinet. They should be designated as terrorists, not the Yemenis.
1: There are different opinions there. Robert, uh, you know, of course, ultimately it uh, seems, you know, a lot of these clashes or tensions is, you know, obviously it's about the Gaza situation. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has uh, recently refused the U.S. call of stopping the military operation in Gaza. He also rejected the idea of having an independent Palestinian state incurring condemnation from Washington, the White House. So there's so much the U.S. can do vis uh, Israel. You know, what's next? Uh, is there lack of a willingness, political willingness on the part of Washington to apply pressure on Israel to really change the situation?
4: Yeah, I think for the short term, yes, that's correct. I think it's pretty clear that there's a pretty strong elite consensus in the United States behind Israel right now, even in this particular moment, right, when there's a lot of sort of pushback. But I do think that the coalition behind Israel and the United States is fracturing, particularly on the left. It's pretty clear from all the protests out there that the Democratic Party, which has traditionally supported Israel in the United States, is changing. And I think in time, as the, the Democratic leadership, which is older these days, as they are changed out, as they retire and are replaced by a younger group, I think there will be more and more pressure, at least on the American left, to change America's position about Israel. I think on the right, I think in American, uh, right-wing American politics, conservative American politics, actually I think that, that support will deepen because a lot of American Israeli support is wrapped up with, to be honest, sort of Christian American fundamentalist ideology and that's really not going to change, right? And Donald Trump really relies on those evangelical Christian voters as the core of his base. And they very strong they very strongly support this. So Israel and the United States, the short answer is Israel and the United States is becoming a highly partisan issue. And I think that will become worse in time in the future, which is to say the Republican Party will support Israel and increasingly the Democratic Party will have qualms about things like what you're seeing in Gaza right now.
1: Well do you think of course the another major part is uh, the European nations uh, here their stance in terms of the gaza conflict here you know you do see some cracks you know or differences uh, rising between nations in the european continent so some nations are very critical of the israeli you know what they do in 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 gaza some others they stand firmly behind israel what is the situation you know which direction is it moving
2: Uh, Well, I think that uh, the Europeans, uh, they're walking back some of their initial support because the Europeans are very dependent on the United States, especially these days. So they tend to follow in the U.S. lead also. There has always been a strong, almost autopilot to support Israel. So, of course, when the 7th of October attacks on Israel, there was a a huge outcry. Everyone committed themselves to this unconditional support for Israel. But then when the Israeli retaliation came and it became evident they're not only going after Hamas but they're pursuing uh, first it seemed genocide, sorry, ethnic cleansing to push the population out and then now it seems more this is a genocide instead. I think uh, there's more who's uh, become more and more concerned and would like to, well, reduce this unconditional support which is also, I think, one of the reasons why the Europeans are less willing to join this, uh, you know, American coalition of the willing, if you will, to have legitimacy for striking Yemen. And uh, I think there's also worries about where Israel will take this conflict as well as the United States, because this, uh, the Middle East now, it can, will explode at any time, uh, you know, in, besides the Red Sea, the the Israelis and the Americans could strike Lebanon, and that would be, uh, to set the whole region on fire. Also, we've seen uh, what the uh, retaliations are against the United States, and I guess the Europeans who do not want the same. That is, uh, there's been attacks on US occupation forces in Syria and Iraq. Uh, former guest here mentioned uh, Iran's ballistic missile attack on these US and Israeli assets in Northern Iraq, which had been you know, behind the terrorist attack in Iran. And uh, of course, Egypt could be pulled into this as well if Israel attempts to push the Palestinians uh, Across the border, so there's so many ways that this conflict can get out of control. That I think, for the Europeans, there's uh, they, they still, you know, support the, the Israelis, especially Germany because of their historic guilt. But um, more countries, I think, is shifting. But also within the countries, I think the younger generation they they're carrying less of this historic guilt, if you will, and you know they're more sympathetic, I think, to the Palestinians and. Uh, you know, do not necessarily see the logic why, why in Europe we have to uh, provide support for this genocide. So uh, again there's a lot of signs from the United States that this is something we don't want. Uh, look at what uh, you know the new nicknames of the American president is you know genocide Joe Butcher Biden. this is uh, not something that uh, many Europeans uh, would like to stay in their own countries. Uh, Of course, not for anyone, of course, in the EU we have people like von der Leyen who's been very, very outspoken about her support for Israel. And I think that this will come back and uh, undermine her own position in the long run. So uh, again, I think it's just too much uncertainty, given that both Israel and the United States might actually even take this conflict all the way to Iran with this allegation that somehow the Houthis everyone's are their puppets. So I think the Europeans are becoming very worried about this. Well, with that, we come to
1: the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guests. I'm Xu Qingduo. See you next time.
0: Sideline Story brings you all things sports related the hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world.